Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. John 14, Amplified Bible, first verse. Now this is Jesus Christ speaking, right? Right? Come on, we're just going to talk together here for a bit. Hallelujah. I'll see how much I can get out of this. Jesus said this, do not let your hearts be troubled or distressed or agitated. Okay, we'll just stop there and go home. Right? He, he said this, and to me, again, it's the utter simplicity. In my life, what's going on right now is he's just telling me, it sounds embarrassing to say, but he, only believe. Only believe. The love of God that's upon us and upon me, remember, it covers a multitude of sin. It covers a multitude of the areas where we haven't come up to pitch yet, if you know what I mean. And that's something that I think we're forever having to wrestle with. God's not looking at you through your problems. God's not looking at you through your mistakes. God is not looking at you through your shortcomings. He really isn't. He is looking at you through the son of his own giving. He's looking at you through the blood of his own son. And remember, he sees you when he sees you coming. He sees Jesus first because you're in Christ. Remember that. And again, it's so easy to say that, but to really think on those things until you realize it does come back. For the rest of my days, I will speak and preach about the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. Because to me, it's still probably the most, you know, all of them are tied together. The love of God, the covenant that we have, the, the righteousness. But to actually know, like I said, what it means to look in the mirror, to stare at yourself and be able to say, I'm right with God. Hallelujah. Not because of my perfect behavior, but because of Christ's perfect behavior. I am right with God. No matter what I look like, no matter how many times I mess up or fail, I'm right with God because of Jesus Christ. And again, what that produces in you, it produces in you a forward motion. It produces within you something that begins, begins to beget life in you. The death begins to fall off. The life begins to spring up. The life of God is in me. Hallelujah. And this is what Christ wants us to know. Right, Paul? Just say yes. Nod your head. Thanks, Paul. Do not let your heart be troubled or distressed or agitated. You believe, you adhere, and you trust and rely on God. Then believe and trust and rely also on me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places and homes. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I am going away, but I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And when and if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come back again. And I'm going to take you to myself. Now, this is something each and every one of us that are born of the Spirit are going to experience. Jesus is coming back. Do you hear me? Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's going to take you unto himself. And to me, that's a glorious hope. That's an incredible thought. I'm going, I will come back again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, I choose to believe that he's not a liar. I believe this is the truth. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? 
Jesus said, Tommy, <laughs> I am the way and the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except by and through me. If you had known me, really, if you'd learned to recognize me, and again, Father, help us learn to recognize him, to recognize you when you're right in front of us. If you had known me, had learned to recognize me, you would also have known my Father. For now on, you know him and see him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Cause us to see the Father. That's all we ask. Then we shall be satisfied. Jesus shakes his head and replies, Have I been with all of you for so long a time, and do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then shows the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father? Now this is where I really want you to listen to these next few verses. He's asking this. He's really intent on this. Even if I did a word study and showed you this is another double imperative in the Greek. It, it's, it means there's incredible intensity upon this statement. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And that the Father is in me? What I'm telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord. But the Father who lives continually in me does the works, his own miracles and deeds of power. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. For us, believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. Verse 12. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. 13 and 14. Hallelujah for these. And I will do. I, I, when I was praying this morning last night, again, the Lord just kept quickening me about, you know, this authority that we have, what what. Jesus said we really have, like in Matthew 28 when he rose from the dead and appeared before the disciples, remember, and he said, all authority. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. And he basically, as old dad, Dr. P.C. Nelson said this, you know, greatest Greek scholar of that age, he said, if language means anything, the moment he said, go ye, he delegated all of that authority, he was declaring to his disciples, because now you're in me and I'm in you, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me, and I'm releasing that authority into you. But you must believe. And it comes down to that simple thing. You must believe that the one on the inside of you carries all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. Now, we've heard these things before, but like I said, God keeps telling me right now there needs to be a, a fresh awakening to this. And all I know is so I need to be obedient to communicate this afresh. All authority in heaven and in earth. Now, think about the Son of very God, the very Son of God, who's come to the earth, manifested himself in flesh to save us, to grant eternal life to all of us. Whatever authority God had given him, 
all authority that God had given him. He said, now again, we have to choose to believe this or not believe it. But God's word, the Bible says the scriptures cannot be broken. The scriptures cannot be broken. They cannot be violated. They cannot be broken. No man can break this truth because this truth came from heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. Take the same authority. Go into the world and be world changers. Hallelujah. Now, again, we can say that. But I'm telling you, God wants to quicken that to us afresh. He wants us to quit lying down. He wants us to quit listening again, like I said, to the lies of the devil. Remember, that's the devil's job. Every single day, every hour, sometimes every minute, he will speak to you to try to lessen who you are, to try to get you to focus on your weakness, like Dom talking about the fact that he still stutters once in a while. That has nothing to do with who Dom is. That's just a bodily thing that's upon him for a season. It has nothing to do with who Dom really is. On the inside, Dom is still the incredible champion that God's always created him to be. And believe me, his speech is smooth before God. It makes no difference how it comes out of his physical mouth because it's what's in his spirit that counts. Now, I'm just saying this is something that all of us have to capture. I have been given all authority. I really have. And even like Sheila said, Sometimes I haven't got to the experience of its manifestation yet, but that makes no difference. The way I get to it is believing it before I get to it. You don't get to it and then believe. You believe and then you'll get to it. You hear me? You hear how simple that is? You believe and then you'll get to it. Hallelujah. Right, Mike? In the name of Jesus, see, his kidney functions perfectly at 100%. You know, the world right now says, nah, it's about this much percentage. They tell me that my... Kidneys are only operating at 36%, but they said, that's okay unless it gets down to 30%. But the Word of God says, I am the healed of the Lord. The Word of God says, He took my infirmities. He took them. So if He bear them, I don't have to bear them. That's still what we have to live by today. That's, what's good. that's the truth that's at work in Mike Brown. That's the truth that's at work in Rod Anderson. That's the truth that's within Dom. That's the truth that should be at work within every one of us because it is the truth. You've heard me share many times. There are facts and there are truth. Facts change. Truth doesn't. You've got to hear that over and over again. Facts change. Truth never changes. So our job is to continue to apply the truth to the momentary fact because the truth will never change. The fact will have to change if you'll do your part. And that's where Hebrews 4.2 comes in. It's so powerful. Hebrews 4.2 and the, and the King James said this, The word preached did not profit them not mixing because they didn't mix it with faith when they heard it. The word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith when they heard it. We can preach the truth every Sunday, all week long, every day long, but at some time you and I are called to mix faith with it. The oldest illustration we used to use years and years ago when you work on a car body and you're trying to smooth out a car body, any guys here ever mixed, ever messed with Bondo kind of that stuff? You know, you try to put on the side of a car and a dent and all that stuff. I know you have, Matt. Yeah, of course. But, you know, there's this stuff. You take this one solution, and it's just syrupy and soft and what have you. But then you mix in it. I forget what it is. You mix in it real quick. What is it? Hardener. Yeah, hardener. But we had another name in the States, something far more official than hardener. <laughs> but at the last moment, you know, you put this stuff in. And you stir it, and you have to work with it quick. 
because it changes everything. I mean, in just a moment, the addition of that chemical causing this stuff to, causes this stuff to harden up to the point that it becomes like iron on steel and so that you can work with it so you can sand it down and make the body look like it was when it was brand new. God's Word is God's Word, but God's Word can sit on the shelf not only of your house, but it can sit on the shelf of your heart forever and never really produce any results. You have to mix something with it. You have to put something in it called, I believe. I actually am going to believe this. And believe, remember, is an action word. It's a verb. It isn't something that you sit down with. It means you move towards what you said you believe. I said it means you move towards what you said you believe. I'm going to play that instrument again. I'm going to take steps that I couldn't take again. I'm going to exercise this thing in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to allow the grace of God to come into this fact at the moment until it becomes the truth of God, until I experience the wholeness that God has already set as mine through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to mix faith with stuff. Right? Listen, you don't like it, I know, but seed is still truth. The Bible, everything God does, he does according to the seed principle. And again, that's why we have offerings, and that's why we do give, and that's why I'm going to get yet another bench because this one doesn't work. <laughs> but you have to mix faith. And that's a real serious deal. You can sit in church every day for the rest of your life. And you can hear words that this is why some people get healed, some don't. This is why some people get blessed and others don't. You have to mix faith with it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Right? Right? We all know that. We know the verses. Yes, that's the scary thing. Everybody here knows the verses. <laughs> but like Jesus intimates, you don't know it until you believe it. In other words, so you don't believe it until you act on it. But like I started to say about seed, this is why, again, we, we're, you, it's horrible because when it talks about money, people automatically think about all the idiots out there that do try to coerce money out of people in churches. But the fact of the matter is, God says the way you're going to be blessed is to bless. The way you're going to have more is to give more. I mean, seed, you have to sow seed to get a crop. No seed out there, there's no hope for a crop. But again, this is why it is funny. Money is funny, funny money, hallelujah, because, again, we can talk about any area of our life, and it's okay, but the moment we talk about your money, you get upset. You know what I mean? Because money, remember, money is your life. What you do with your money is what you do with your life because what you do with your life, you're giving money for. So when God watches you again give money, he's looking at what you're doing with your life. That's why, again, as I quoted last week, an altar call, I mean, an offering to God is just as holy as an altar call. Anyhow, I know that blesses you. Hallelujah. It's my birthday. I can say what I want to. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 13 or 14. And then we have to ask ourselves a question. Do we believe this? Jesus said, I will do. Now, that's an imperative. That's not a possibility. I will do. I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name. And then the Amplified, it has this, as presenting all that I am, and it has I am in capitals. And see, that is speaking to something that's in the book of Zechariah. In the Old Testament, you have all the, all the names like Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sidkenu, uh, Jehovah 
uh, Rapha, you know, anyhow, there's seven what we call redemptive names of God, right? Right? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees. All of those names. But in Zechariah, Zechariah prophesies, and he says this. He said, in that day, speaking of the day we live in, he said, in that day, my name shall be one. Now, in the middle of that is a great revelation. What God is saying there is every time Israel had a need, God showed up and showed them a little bit more of who he was by giving them another aspect of his character. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha, or I am Jehovah, said Kenu, your righteousness. In other words, he revealed more of who he is to his people. But in Zechariah, what he prophesied of, he said there's going to be a day where all the revelatory, all the revelation of everything that I am is going to be concluded in one name. And, of course, we know that name today is Jesus. And that's what he says here. That's why it has this in the Greek and the Amplified, as presenting all I am. Now, I taught on the name of Jesus for six months in a Bible school in America. And you have to let the name of Jesus carry weight. In other words, we mustn't find ourselves being churchy and being religious and using the name of Jesus as a lucky rabbit's foot. The name of Jesus carries all the revelation of who God is, is what Scripture teaches. And so you have to meditate on these things. You have to sit back, be quiet, shut your eyes, and think about every manifestation of God you will ever read about in the Old Covenant where he sets down, his toes touch the mountaintop at Sinai, where the earthquakes, the smoke of a furnace rises up, the heat from a furnace, the sound of a trumpet, it blowing to the point that, remember, all of Israel freaked out and said, Let's, let us get away from here. All this incredible power, the parting of the Red Sea, the sun itself stopping in its course just so God's people can be uh, victorious. All of this majestic, glorious power and the love of God is all wrapped up in this one name, Jesus. And this is, again, you have to, you need to meditate on these things until they carry more weight with you so that when you speak them, you're sensing the weight that's behind this truth. I don't know how else to say it or express it. Anybody can say in the name of Jesus. But some people, you may as well say, you know, in the name of Mickey Mouse. But in the name, it says, when we have, by having the right to use that name again, like I said, I know, I know, but this is a refresher course because of what I need to get to in the next few Sundays. When you, you have to be able to see, like, when you're dealing, like I, I looked at this, um, uh, I watched this little, um, short video clip of in 2016 up at Bethel where uh, this guy was in this church service there and he had stage four uh, he had stage four cancer with a big tumor in his brain and um, they were talking about the name of Jesus and and so when Bill Johnson heard about this he comes up and they just do a short clip but he just lays hands on this guy's head is bald because of all the chemo and what have you he literally they said they said he had weeks to live. And, you know, and he brought the weight. And this is, see, I, I hate Bill Johnson sometimes because he preaches what I've preached for 25 years, but he does it so much better. Hallelujah. But he lays hands on this guy and just a simple prayer. Father, you know, 
in the name of Jesus. The name that truly is above all things. I curse this thing. Five days later, they go back, no tumor. Nothing. It's gone. He only had weeks to live. They did a second scan three weeks later, no tumor at all. Everybody, you know, blown away. But that is still the God that we serve. Now, whether you and I have experienced it, see, I've experienced it in the past. I always remember I tell the story, you know, going up to this woman and had this huge thyroid goiter. And, I mean, there's a lot of things I've seen, but this one always hit me because I was right there. I mean, the thing was as big as a, a big grapefruit. I mean, this have you ever seen those on somebody hanging on their neck? Huge thing. You know what I mean? That big, just like that. And going up and just saying, in the name of Jesus, touch that thing. And, I mean, before my, pop, instantaneously it was gone. And just pure nothing skin, it was like a movie. Freaked me out. It did freak me out when you actually watch something that's beyond the scope of your comprehension take place. Well, you know, I don't know why we haven't seen a lot more of that lately, but all I know is in Jesus' name we're going to. We just are because, like I said before, I'm serious. You know, you have to have the attitude that we're, we refuse to live without it because it is what God said. Even here, Jesus said greater things than, you, than this. Greater things than the thing. Now, with the word, people used to preach all the time when Jesus said, greater things than this, here you do. They thought he meant bigger things, or the people would preach bigger. No, no, no. He meant, greater means much more than. It means, in other words, whereas there was one man filled with the Holy Ghost doing miracles, today there's, ten, there's hundreds of thousands of you and I filled with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was filled with. So he's saying there's going to be tons of greater works everywhere because all of you are going to be filled with the same miracle working power that I'm filled with. But see, you've got to mix faith with that. I can't wave a magic wand and go boom and make you believe. But this is, again, in your own prayer life, in your life. This is why the communion with God in our prayer life is so jive important because it's only as you continue to commune with him that you begin to see him and you see him in you. And you get humbled to the point where you realize it is nothing that I have. It is nothing that I own. There's nothing in me that is good compared to him. So there's nothing in me that has the power to heal anybody. You get to the point where you realize this is not about my reputation. This is not about somebody saying, look what Rob did. Or, you know, look what Astor did. Or look what anybody else. You just realize, no, no, no. It's in his name representing him, representing him be healed in the name, in that name, in that name, in that authority, in that power, in depression be gone, you know, whatever it be, be gone from my house, indeed like a bloodline. All of these things are synonymous to a degree. You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, this will not come nigh my dwelling, Psalm 91. Only a spectator will I be while I watch the reward of the wicked because I find myself under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. And, you know, I serve a God in whom, you know, hallelujah, no no weapon formed against me really is going to prosper. And that stuff comes alive. And at some point, this rallies in your heart to the point that you do find yourself putting your arm out in the realm of the Spirit and you're saying, no, something comes out. In you, where you're not just quoting the verse, oh, I hope nothing in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus. In other words, people are having fear-filled faith confessions. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But something will rise up in you when you actually believe, and you'll put your hand out there, and you'll say no. And there'll be a no that will go out in the spirit realm for light years, and Satan will shake. 
he will tremble. You do remember, you do remember that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And you do remember, Satan is, when it's all said and done, he really is a coward. He really is afraid. He knows his time is short. That's why he's pulled out every trick in his book to try to keep you deceived, to keep you backish, if you know what I mean, to keep you backing off the truth, to keep you trying to compare what hell's doing to what God has done. You know, that's a stupid contest to get into in the first place. You don't compare anything to the size of God. God is bigger. But see, you can get rallied about that in church service, and that's cool, but don't, that don't make no difference. It's what you're doing at 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon that makes a difference. You know what I mean? It's when you're looking at the bills. I know nobody here's ever had a bill. Hallelujah. Right, Mike? You and I have never had bills, ever. You know, you've got a bill, and you look at your bank account, and it says uh, you need to go to another nation. Have you considered doing a runner? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You got that kind of a stuff. But no, no, no. But you realize, God, I don't care what it looks like right now. You are still God. And I'm going to let you be true and let every other thing be a lie. And boy, you have to make that decision from gut level, man. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Let anything else be a lie. So anyhow, back to this verse. Jesus said, I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Why? So that the Father may be glorified and extolled in and through the Son. Verse 14, yes. He, he validates this again. Yes, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will, I will grant, I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Now, is that a lie? Seriously, we've all had times in our life as Christians where we quote-unquote have prayed in the name of Jesus and in the natural we've seen nothing change, right? But does that change the Scripture? It doesn't. So that's what happens to every one of our lives. You're faced with a decision. You're faced with a decision. You are. You are. Every individual here. You're faced with a decision. Do I just, oh, well, whatever. This stuff, you know, it doesn't really work. I don't know why. Uh, and then instantly you start looking at the shortcomings in your life or whatever. I guess it's because of this or that or whatever. God help us. See, we have to repent from all that doubt and all the fear. And we have to come to the place where, again, you keep hearing him say, only believe. Don't worry about anything else. And even like, remember, I love to teach out of Mark 4. Let me just paraphrase it real quick. Remember when Jairus comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is at the point of death. My daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her that she may live. And behold, Jesus said, I will go. So Jesus and Jairus, I know I've shared this over the years, but still one of my favorite truths because of how powerful it is. Can you listen for a few more minutes? And, you know, Jason, wake up back there. I see you back there. No, only, no I'm only kidding. He's awake. He's awake. A few other of you. I was trying to be nice because I saw a few other 
others of you were already sleeping on my time. You don't sleep on my birthday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Otherwise, I will sick Deji on you. Right, Deji? You'll get him. And Tanya. Tanya is mean. I'm telling you, when she gets that Eastern European thing in her, she'll pick, she will pick up that keyboard and slap you with it. I mean, she will. That's right. I'm telling you, she's tough. I've seen her blogs. She's tough. Jairus, Jesus said, I will go with you. And they're walking. You try to get the picture. Remember, they're walking. How wonderful would you feel if your daughter, I have a daughter again, if your daughter was at the point of death, Crystal's at the point of death, would you be serious? Yeah, you'd be pretty serious. And you get to Jesus, and Jesus said, I'll come with you. Jesus responds to how you released your faith. He said, Jairus said, come lay your hands on her. And another place, the centurion said, speak the word only. And we're not teaching on faith, but remember these principles. Come lay your hands on her. She'll be whole. Jesus said, okay. So you can see Jairus breathe that breath of relief because Jesus is with him walking to the house. But then remember what happens. The woman with the issue of blood who had spent all she had seen many, many doctors, but didn't grow better, but rather grew worse. She'd spent all that she had. She presses through the crowd, remember? This is the whole crowd. They're following Jesus because they know that where this man goes, there's been miracles. She presses through the crowd. And, you know, everybody's supposed to be saying unclean, unclean, because women weren't supposed to do all that, especially when somebody had an issue of blood, because blood, you know, was a big deal. She presses through, remember, the crowd. And because she had been saying, she'd been releasing her faith all the time. She had been saying over and over again, if what? If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Right? Right? Over and over and over again. See, that's where her faith was. Jesus meets you where you're able to release faith. That's why where one person doesn't may not be at worse how somebody else does. But at some point, you have to release your faith. And then you have to hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering, for faithful is he who promised. And you have to cast not away your confidence because it hath great recompense of reward, but you have need of patience that you might, what, receive the promise after you walk through it. Here she comes, and she presses through the crowd. She touches the hem of the garment, and it says instantly she felt in her body that she was made whole of the plague. And Jesus, it's so funny. I love the picture because right now if I had like 20 guys wrapped around me walking, you know, we're walking, people are touching each other, robes and stuff. But Jesus goes, but when she touched him, he instantly stopped, and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's wrapped around you, all kinds of people. But he knew this touch was different. He said because he perceived that the power flowed out of him. The anointing flowed out of him. He hadn't had anything to do with her yet, but the power came out of him because of what somebody else believed. Man, you've got to catch that. Good God Almighty. He, boom, he went this touch was different from all the other touches because this touch was wrapped up in something called belief. It was real belief. And he said, who touched me? Remember? And he turned around and then finally he sees the woman. The woman falls down at his feet. And I always make a joke of this. 
and it says that she told him the whole story. Now, I always say, women, forgive me, but when a woman tells the whole story, women are detail-oriented, how she'd spent all she had on many physicians, grew neither good but grew rather worse. I mean, she told the whole story. And all of us men who are married knows what it's like when your woman wants to tell you the whole story. Oh, Jesus, help me. Because we men are headliners, you know. We say, let's eat. And the woman talks about 37 restaurants, 47 possible recipes, what they could contain, may not contain, wherever, and whether it's the right day to day or not, if I like fish, if I like meat. And the guy's just saying, let's go. <laughs> but the woman falls at his feet and tells him the whole story. But now we jump back to the iris and you think about it. His daughter's still at the point of death. And you got to think, what's going through his mind? And Jairus is going, uh, you know, he's watching her. Jesus is ministering. She's still, the woman's still here. Jesus is listening to her tell the whole story. And Jairus is sitting here like this, kind of going, you know, God, Jesus, uh, this is cool, but like I was first. You know, like, how about my daughter? And then you remember what happens? To me, it's one of the most profound teachings in the New Testament. A servant, a Jairus, comes up, touches him on the shoulder and said, um, Jairus, um, Trouble the master no longer. Your daughter's dead. Now, that's what you call a bad report, to say the least. And most of us would do what? Well, it's too late. Right? Dead is too late. Or is it? Do you remember what Jesus did? Do you remember? It says Jesus overhearing but ignoring he turns instantly to Jairus, and he said in the Greek, shut your mouth. That's what it says. Check it. He says, don't say a word. Only believe. But it says in the Greek, keep on believing. Jesus had to stop him from opening his mouth where he would then annul where he had previously released his faith. Jesus had to get him to shut up lest he stop what Jesus was on his way to do. Oh, my God. Can you hear that? Really? Think about that. God forgive us for all the times we've opened our mouth and aborted miracles because we allowed the discouragement, the doubt, and the fear, and other voices to come in and choke and silence the truth of God. The truth of God. Only believe. I'm choosing, I really am, as corny as it may sound after all my years in ministry, uh, I, you know, it's like God always, God gives you fresh starts. He does. Hallelujah. Amen. Right, Deji? All of us get fresh starts. The glory of God is we get a fresh start every morning. The mercies of the Lord are brand new every morning. Every jive morning, no matter what you did yesterday or today, you have not used up all the mercies of God. I love saying that. Just let me alone in my pleasure party. <laughs> All of God's mercies are brand new to me every morning. I get a fresh start every morning. Yesterday is dead and gone. Today is the day that I will serve the Lord. Today I will serve the Lord. Tomorrow doesn't even exist yet. I'm not going to fret, freak out, and worry about tomorrow. Sufficient under the day is what's going on. So today I can live for God. I can go all day without cussing. 
Right, Kevin? Can you do that? Well, maybe, almost. But you can, you see. That's the glory. That's a whole other teaching of mine that I love, I love, I love. But I only have to serve God today. That's all he's ever asked of me. He's never asked you to live for tomorrow. See, and when you learn how to live one day at a time, it gets a whole lot easier. I don't have any promise of tomorrow. Jesus Christ could return tonight. Well, could that matter? He could return right now. He will come in a time when we know not. We know not. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I, I, and I'm just excited. I'm going to have eternity with God. I'm looking for, I'm actually, you know, not yet, like I keep telling Julie, I'm not going yet. Hallelujah. You know, 70 is a lie. I am 40. I said earlier 50, but I'm deciding to keep decreasing. The inner man is renewed every day, bless God. I'm 20 years old on the inside. I already am. That's why I will listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire when I'm 98. I'll be sitting there in my chair going, In November, I will. I show the guys this DVD I have of Earth, Wind, and Fire all the time. I say, this is all I want. But I said, I don't know about the dancing girls on this one video because they, they're, wearing, they're wearing short shorts that are short, short, short shorts. And I, said, I don't know. I, can't, I don't want to see Angela and Lucy and Ayana and all the girls up here doing that because we may have people coming to the church for the wrong reason. <laughs> However, hallelujah. The music, God wants us to explode. I'm telling you, man, just you joke about stuff like that, but just like that, we're going to take music and we're going to redeem it. We're going to take it. Listen, every good and perfect thing has come from the Father. That song, November, it came from God. Like I said, I used to, you know, I'm not bragging, but I used to sit behind, you know, the stage at Earth, Wind, and Fire. I got to know some of these guys way back in the day when I was a naughty boy. I'd never seen any. I'd been around big groups when I was in San Francisco. I was around now. I'm on something else all over. I got away from the Bible. God forgive me. But sitting around Steve Stills, Hendrix, and watching these guys play Crosby, Stills, and Nash and stuff in the, what they call, used to call the big house on Army Street in San Francisco. And because uh, I used to spend time there being around these guys late at night, 3 o'clock in the morning, these big wall amps everywhere. These guys just ripping it up, just ripping it up. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck in the old days, I used to sit and watch Jeff Beck. He'd play for two hours and not stop. I mean, one song. He'd just go nuts on that guitar. And just sit there and you go, that's not even possible. What he, I mean, just stuff, you know. But I used to start, I had this friend of mine, and he would say, Ron, Ron Perry, and Ron would say, isn't that a trip, man? He said, God's the giver of every good and perfect gift. He said, the only problem with Beck is he doesn't understand that's God's gift in him. And he said, what will happen when he if he consecrates that to God? Think about how much more it will expand and blow up. Hallelujah. And I actually believe that. This is what I said. These guys, our group, whatever. Oh, I'm telling you, stick around and watch what God does. I'm telling you because we're trusting him for what he said. He would give more and more creativity. And we don't. And it's not just saying it to be goofy, man. There are thousands of Holy Ghost songs that have never been written yet. There are chords that have never been played yet. There's melodies that we've never heard that are straight out of heaven. And see, I just want to harvest every one of them. I really do. I really do. Paul, wake up. Paul, wake up. Okay, okay you wake up. Every once in a while, honey, just kick him, Denise. Kick him. I love you, Paul, but you got to stay awake. It's my birthday, man. Stay Look at No, he's, not, he's laying there. No, he's sitting back. He's playing Tetris on his phone, man. I can tell. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, 
You're trying to bring people life, and there they are over there, you know. <laughs> I hope McDonald's will be open. It's open. I will grant, I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name. Then he goes on, verse 15, he says, if you really love me, you'll keep and obey my commands. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another comforter. Hallelujah, the Holy Ghost. Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth. I have the spirit of truth in me. How about you? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive or welcome it take or take to its heart because it doesn't see him. You see, the world wants to see something first. We don't have to see it. We believe it. And then you see it. That's the way it works. You know that. The world says, show it to me and I'll believe. Jesus said, believe and I'll show it to you. Right? So quit living in reverse. The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it does not see him, know him, or recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he will live with you constantly and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Now let Jesus speak this to every one of you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, desolate, or bereaved, or forlorn, or helpless. I will come back to you just a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, now listen, because I live, you will live also. At that time, now listen to this. This, this is just the part, I know I've gone round and round, but I don't, I don't, you know, I've got, like I said, 37 pages of notes I could have gone to, so believe me, you're blessed. I didn't go there. I thank you for your honesty, Mike. I'm pretty, my Brown's been looking at his watch all all after going, can we go home now, man? Or, John, or at least the cake over there, the cake's getting bad. Verse 20, at that time when that day comes, you will know for, now listen, you will know for yourself. Now that time when that day comes, talking about the day when the Holy Ghost came, the day of Pentecost. You and I, that's our, we're in that day right now. And he said, at that time when that day comes, you will know for yourself that I am in the Father, but listen to this, and that you are in me, and I am in you. Now, that's what the Lord wanted me to simply bring to you this morning out of everything else that I was going to do. He wants to remind you, but see, it's so simple to say that, again, some of us won't hear it. He said, I I want you to know in that day that I'm going to be in you. You're going to be in me. I'm in you. And all of this is so that the Father might be glorified. Now, I'm trying to tell you this. The one on the inside of you simply wants to manifest. The one on the inside of you simply wants to manifest. Because each of you are uniquely gifted, he'll manifest through your gifting, your music, your writing, your singing, your prayers. But the person, the power, the might, the glory, the majesty of God, the kingdom of God is within you. And I'm just asking you this morning afresh, please mix faith with that truth 
that the world will never be able to violate. That is true. Okay, I'm done, so worship team, come on back up. But as they come up, just keep thinking on this. Listen to me. Please, be like little children. Please, do yourself a favor. If you don't get locked into that thing, well, I've tried this before, and I, you know, because again, that's what hell wants you to do is try it. No, 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 no. We, we make a decision and we stick with it. Amen? Amen? Listen, just keep praying those prayers. Well, nothing's happened yet. Who cares? Your attitude is, I'm going to stay communing with God. Listen, that's where the learning comes from. Listen, you don't have faith. You don't even know you have faith. You can quote verses all you want. You don't even know you have faith until the trial comes. Because it's only when trials come that you find out if there's any faith there. That's why we don't panic when trials come. That's what they do. Trials come. Hallelujah. And we say praise God. I want you to know, he said, that I am in you and you are in me. I want you to know that I am in you. And like I said, all this is going to lean towards the revelation of prayer. Because in prayer, you have to move from your thought process from being sitting here or standing here in the flesh. You know, she used the word bloodline. bloodline no, she talked about uh, what's, um, Bobby, uh, Bobby Jean Morris. No, I mean, who wrote it? Bob, yeah, Billy. Billy Brin talked about this, this connection between heaven and earth. But I always love, like when you teach on intercession, we would have gone to Job 9, you know, where it says there's no daysman betwixt us that he might lay his hands on both of us. The word speaks to a bridge builder. It speaks to the reach. There's nothing that causes us to be able to reach between heaven and earth. But see, that's what Jesus came to do. He made the bridge. And again, it's one of the most incredible things. It's all about access. Everybody say access. Ever been to a concert and had a full access pass? How about you, Claudette? Have you ever had a pass because it's just because that hubby of yours plays guitar? You get to go anywhere in the backstage, right? Anywhere backstage, cool. We have an all-access pass to heaven. We really do. See, it just sounds cool to say it. Yeah, blah blah blah. We nod our head, but we have. The Bible says we're supposed to come boldly to the very throne of grace. And I'm just praying that we are going to be quickened in the weeks to come, in the months to come, coming up to Christmas and everything else to stand up in the authority that said the name of Jesus and make a difference. You hear me? Don't lay down. Don't faint in your mind. Don't faint in your mind. That's where you faint in your mind. So get out of your mind. Some of you have been out of your mind a long time anyhow. But stay totally out of your mind and get in the Spirit. Agree with God. Agree with God, please. And just believe. Just believe. Just stand it with me. Just say, I will believe. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.